0: Some of you may remember an old children's song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Well, there's a lot more to the story of Zacchaeus than, than simply that part of it. And today we're going to turn to Luke chapter 19 and and study that encounter with Jesus and, and see how it produced life change for this man. I heard a statistic this week that the Beatles are the best-selling music act of all time, selling 600 million units worldwide. It's very rare to have a uh, a record sell um, a million copies. They've sold 600 million units worldwide, and they have paid a lot of taxes because of that. And they wrote a song about the tax man. And so, as we prepare to study Zacchaeus the tax man, this will introduce the message. They knew something about paying taxes, and they paid paid dearly for selling 600 million units. Well, we'll see how that comes out in the the life of Zacchaeus, but what I want you to focus on is this encounter that he had with Jesus changed him from being a selfish person to becoming a selfless person. And and those are traits that that need to be shifted in our lives as well. So three truths about this story that I I don't want you to miss. Number one, your past need not define your future. Let's pick up in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. We'll just read along on the slides here. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and today working for the IRS and collecting taxes is, is not a, a popularity promoting position. But in Jesus' day, tax collectors were viewed even more disdainfully because they were viewed as traitors. They were collaborators. They were sympathizers with the enemy. For at that time, Palestine was an unoccupied it was an occupied country controlled by the Roman Empire. And so the, the hated Romans had come in, taken over their land, and established these tax depots. They then hired Jews who were willing to collect taxes from their own people to be paid to Rome. And so the Roman tax superiors set a tax amount, but then they allowed the collectors to charge whatever they wanted and and pocket anything collected above and beyond the required amount. So these guys were enemies. They were skimming off the top, getting fat and fast off their own people, and then giving this money to their their enemies, the the Romans. That was Zacchaeus, the tax man. He he had grown wealthy in an unjust way by preying on the vulnerability of his own countrymen, especially capitalizing off the helplessness of the poor. He, He worked the territory surrounding Jericho. In this area is known for temperatures that often reach 120 degrees Fahrenheit has a very low elevation there is barren vegetation and it's very sparse there it's ironically located not far from the Dead Sea and this tax man was spiritually dead himself. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and The implication was that he was a regional officer working directly with the the Roman officials. And now it was payback time and he was getting rich. When Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, this wee little man developed a a very big heart. And we find out that he made full restitution for those he had wronged. And he broke out from being selfish to, to becoming selfless reading between the lines of the story, I I see a man who probably because of his short stature had been overlooked when choosing teams and he had survived by being competitive, driven, prone to exaggeration. And now he was enjoying vengeance by overcharging those who had overlooked him in the past. Harvard's scholarship recruiters were we are often more concerned with academics than athletics. And some of Harvard's football teams have reflected that emphasis. One game, the, the Harvard team was, was being destroyed. And the opposing fans were jeering at them. And that's when the Harvard students in the stands came up with their own cheer. They stood up and said, that's all right, that's okay, you're going to work for us someday. That's how I envision Zacchaeus responding. His feelings were a tapestry of loneliness, rejection, unhappiness. He was even disenchanted with the material success and wealth that he had amassed. He was seeking something more. And so when Jesus came to his town, was passing through, he thought, I'll give this a try. I'll go listen to him. I've heard a lot about him. Verse 3 says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. We've all sat at a gathering where you couldn't see over someone, or you've been at a concert where the people in front of you decided they would stand throughout the entire concert. Well, that's a problem. So he, he ran ahead. He climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus. He said, I'm going to climb up here so I can get a, a look at this guy. I've heard so much about him. He said, Jesus was coming that way. Now That tells me Zacchaeus was, was curious. He had heard of this legendary teacher, and since Jesus was making an appearance in Jericho, he wanted to, to go hear him. Today's politically correct crowd would describe Zacchaeus as being vertically challenged. And the Bible just says he was short and couldn't see over the heads of the the crowd. But but notice that Zacchaeus was proactive, not reactive. He he ran ahead. He had vision, planning, a, a goal. He had a desire for change. And so just like spectators vying for a better vantage point to to view the homecoming parade, he he wanted to get a better look at Jesus. So Zacchaeus shinned up a sycamore tree. The parade is approaching. Jesus is coming closer, closer. He's right beneath the tree and he stops and he looks up at Zacchaeus. He smiles. He greets the unpopular tax man. And everyone before had belittled him with wisecracks, ignored him, snubbed Zacchaeus in contempt. And Jesus offered Zacchaeus respect, acceptance, understanding, friendship. Jesus employed divine omniscience, and and the all-knowing Son of God addresses the stranger by name. And the gentle, warm insistence of this honored dignitary left little room for polite refusal. He said, I, I want to go to your house today and get to know you better. And Zacchaeus climbed down from the security of his tree and invited Jesus to come to his house. The, the second thing I, I want us to-, to see from the story is that Jesus forgives the broken sinner. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And Dale Carnegie said that the sweetest sound in the world is the sound of a man's own name. We all appreciate it when someone learns our name and calls us by name. And that's what Jesus did. He said, hey, You're Zacchaeus, I'm Jesus, I'd like to get to know you better. Any chance I could eat lunch at your house today and and we could visit, I'd I'd like to teach you. And so he came down at at once, verse 6 says, and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this, and people are people. They began to mutter, you see that? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, who else was he going to eat with? Jesus was a perfect deity inhabiting a fallen, broken world comprised of all of us imperfect people. So, how do you think the local taxpayers felt about this noble reception to the one who was loathed by so many? They began to whisper. They began to to mumble. They began to gossip. They muttered. They grumbled. They arrogantly looked down at this affluent supervisor whom they regarded as a social inferior. Let's face it, Zacchaeus didn't get invited to many parties, cookouts, picnics, social gatherings. He was a filthy, low-down, reprehensible T-A-X collector. And he was treated like a a leprosy patient or or a a Hindu untouchable. People wanted nothing to do with him. And and that just made him want to charge them more. It just fueled this this fire. Well, verses 8 through 11 teach us another truth from his life-changing encounter with Jesus. And that is that real change prompts restitution. The the crowd wrongly surmised that Jesus must know this guy. He he must have previously met him. That wasn't the case. It, It was just that Jesus loved this child of his whom he had created despite the mess that Zacchaeus had made of his life. And realizing that this teacher was different Zacchaeus did something that didn't come naturally for him. He trusted. And then he did something else that astonished the crowd assembled surrounding the center, the sycamore, and the Savior. Instead of thinking with his head, he thought with his heart. And before defaulting to his accounting background and and calculating the financial risk or computing the the loss of assets, Zacchaeus impulsively blurted out his good intentions, subjecting them to the scrutiny of the hostile crowd. In verse 8, it reports, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to them and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He wanted to eliminate his ill gotten excess. He wanted to come clean before the Lord. He wanted to make restitution to those whom he had cheated. And he took deliberate steps to repay and to repair wrong he was sincere about starting over he said uh, right off the top half of all that I have I'm going to give that to the poor but let's help those that I've really taken advantage of in the past and then he said if I have cheated anybody out of uh, of anything he says if I you know took you for a thousand dollars I'm going to pay you back four thousand dollars Okay, just so that there's no question that I have restored what I took from you and then some. And in verse 9, Jesus who knew the thoughts, he knew the motives, he knew the heart of Zacchaeus. Jesus made an editorial comment on what had just happened. He said, today salvation has come to this house. And please don't miss this hidden detail of the account. This is the real gem. Real repentance involves restitution. It's not enough just to say, oh, I'm sorry you know, about that, uh, no hard feelings, but you have to do what you can to restore, to make restitution, to set the record right. John Newton, the, the composer of Amazing Grace, observed, while it's true we can never repay the debt we owe Christ, it's also true that we should never stop trying to repay the debt. There's a verse in 2 in Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. There's a difference between godly sorrow. We've all been sorry we got caught. That's not what this is. Godly sorrow brings repentance, a change of heart. It's freeing. It leads to salvation. It leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow just heaps guilt upon us. It brings death. It it weighs down. And so that's why this restitution element is so critical to our, our true repentance. Returning to our text here in Luke 19, listen to what Jesus told them in his, his summation, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. I know you all hate him. I know he's taken advantage of you in the past. You feel like he's a, a Nazi sympathizer, in this case with the Romans. Uh, but guess what? He's part of God's family too. He's, he's a child of Abraham, just like you are. And, and then the next verse is kind of Jesus' marching orders. This is kind of his life verse. He said, referring to himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus said, that's why I'm here. That's why I left heaven. That's why I came to earth, to, to help straighten out your lives, to, to help fix your future, to, to, to change things. And th- this man is a child of God. He, he's made a big step today. And, and that's why I'm here, to seek people like Zacchaeus, the tax man, And just make a few adjustments to get him going in the right direction and change the whole trajectory of his life. If we were to select a statement made by Jesus that would really encapsulate his purpose, his mission, it's that verse, verse 10. I'm convinced that today each of us has more in common with Zacchaeus than we would like to admit. We've been proud. Materialistic, unfair, insecure, hasty, dishonest, unforgiving, opportunistic, selfish. And as a result, like Zacchaeus, we felt the guilt that comes from disobeying God's way. And today we need to start over. This event, this dinner with the tax man, occurred shortly prior to the triumphal entry as Jesus entered Jerusalem during his last week of life preceding his crucifixion. It would have been understandable for our Lord to be preoccupied or, or too busy to pause for a meal with a greedy, insecure taxman. The fact is Jesus took time for Zacchaeus and and that should underscore that that Jesus truly is the Lord of the second chance. He loved Zacchaeus enough to accept him as he was, but he loved him too much to allow him to remain as he was. Jesus' loving message of change penetrated the murky recesses of a disenchanted life shining a a beam that led to repentance, restitution, and ultimately restoration. Let me give you three quick take-homes to to help us combat our egocentric tendencies. Number one, avoid the me-first syndrome. That's pushing to the, the front crowding others out, trying to be first, grabbing the biggest slice, using all the hot water. It's thinking only of, your, of yourself. I was in a store this week, and, and uh, I, I saw people scrambling to shoulder out other people in, in, in line. And um, it's just part of our human nature. We all tend to be selfish, and so avoid that. See it for what it is, and and don't be like old Zacchaeus. Be like new Zacchaeus. Number two, intentionally put others ahead. Let someone go ahead of you in line. Uh, Let a car out in traffic. Wait to be the last one to be served. Work to subjugate your selfish side by putting others first. And then third, ask questions of others, taking a sincere interest. Listen to others' views before rushing to share your own. Talk less about yourself. Listen more and take a sincere interest in others. Take that focus off of self and me and, and look at others we're coming up on Christmas. It's not that far away. And Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, describes this metamorphosis of Ebenezer Scrooge from being this self-centered, miserly boss to undergoing this transformation and changing from being stingy to becoming generous. And this is what Dickens said at the end of the the story about Scrooge. He said, Scrooge, after he had changed, was better than his word. He, he did it all and, and infinitely more. And to tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, as good a man as the good old city knew. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well public opinion of Zacchaeus must have likewise reversed in the days that followed his conversion. You mean he actually came back and repaid you four times the amount he had overcharged you? Wow, I wish he had cheated me. So so let's review the process. First, we must Desire to change. Comedian, author Irma Bombach said she was not excited about the discipline of dieting, so she made this her New Year's prayer Lord, if you can't make me thin, please make my friends look fat. <laughs> now, Zacchaeus was dissatisfied with some of the things in his life, and he wasn't content for them to remain that way. He desired a change. Do you desire a change in your life? Are you seeking divine guidance? Do you put yourself where you can come in contact with Jesus and his message? Are you willing to be inconvenienced to go out on a limb, as he did, Zacchaeus, in order to see Jesus and stretch your faith? And if so, the next thing that we need to do is decide to change. Notice in our text, verse 6, it says, Zacchaeus came down from the tree. He made an action response. If he'd have stayed in the tree and said, no, nah, I don't think I, I want to talk to you anymore, or you, you can't eat lunch at my house, or nah, I'm kind of shy, I don't really you know want to interact with you, nothing would have changed. He came down from the tree. He agreed to host Jesus. And verse 7 tells us that that got mixed reviews. It didn't please everybody. Jesus is going to eat with that tax collector? Woo! Can't believe it. That's disgusting. Doesn't he know better? But Zacchaeus accepted the fact that even though not everyone would understand or approve, this is the right thing to do. Uh, I'm going to try it. Zacchaeus didn't make excuses. He didn't deny his guilt. He didn't transfer the blame to others. He took full responsibility for his sinful actions. He confronted um, head-on his tendency toward greed. He gave money away to the poor. He, he gave it back to those he had swindled. And we must eliminate the people, the places, or the things that distract our commitment to Christ. Portia Nelson has written a piece entitled Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. And this is what she wrote. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe it. I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 commands, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. To, to start over, uh, we must demonstrate a change. In verse eight, 8, Zacchaeus stood up making this public demonstration of change in his life. He admitted he had done wrong. He, he made a general announcement to the whole group that he had victimized, primarily the poor. And he tried to do what was right making a specific promise to the offended individuals that he would restore 400% of any wrongful profits he had received. The result, verse 9, was the salvation of the sinful. And that verse, verse 10, tells us was the very reason Jesus came to earth, to to seek and save what was lost. One of the things I, I love about Batesville Christian Church is that this is a grace place no one is perfect no one has arrived we're all works in progress or put another way we're we're all pieces of, of work and Jesus offers freedom to those who are trapped you remember years ago when there was this uh, uh collapse of an underground tunnel in Chile Uh, H.B. London wrote about it. He said, if you're like me, you've been mesmerized by the events in Chile. To think that 33 men have been trapped underground for 69 days is one thing. But then to witness their rescue is, is even more compelling. So much so that over 1 billion people worldwide watched this drama unfold said, now all 33 men have been freed from their underground prison and the whole world rejoiced. All people are in bondage, trapped, if you will, and we have no chance of, of rescue on our own. And then you see, at just the right time, when we were still helpless, trapped, Christ died for the ungodly while we were still sinners trapped, Jesus died for us. That's what Romans 5, 6, and 8 say. When Jesus stood in the synagogue, he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he said, he has sent me to proclaim freedom, recovery, release from oppression. And he's given us that message as well. It Maybe a miracle when 33 men and their families are, are saved uh, from a, a collapsed tunnel, but Jesus came as a miracle for all mankind. That's for you and that's for me. And that's what the church is all about. Maybe you've never publicly confessed your faith in, in Jesus and repented of your sins and been immersed as He has commanded we have an invitation for you maybe you've strayed away and and drifted from your initial commitment to Christ and and today you want to renew that vow and and seek accountability and support from this church family and we have an invitation for you maybe you're already an immersed believer and you're looking for a a church home where you can serve and and grow and and reach out to others and you want to transfer your membership to BCC, then we have an invitation for you. Whatever the demonstration of change it, that you need to make today, we invite you to come to the front right now as, as we stand together and, and sing a song of, of decision.